Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation. I always love talking to our next guest. Uh, he has great insight, great experience, uh, a wealth of knowledge. We're going to be talking about the Middle East. Um, the United Nations said yesterday there are no safe places left in Gaza. None. Uh, 80% of the population there has been displaced. Um, if you remember, weeks ago, before the offensive uh, by Israel in response to the terrorist attack began, they told Palestinians to leave the north of Gaza, and hundreds of thousands did, made their way to southern Gaza, and now Israel has turned their sights on southern Gaza after doing, I guess, what they set out to do in the north. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but so now you've got tiny, tiny little areas left of, you know, where thousands and hundreds of thousands of Palestinians are trying to find sanctuary and, and, and relief from what's been going on for the past two months now. And it's at the United Nations estimation, impossible. There, there are no safe spaces left. Um, aid has once again been stifled, if not completely stopped. Um, and the UN very concerned that we're on the verge of something that could go from catastrophic to apocalyptic. In fact, they triggered Article 99 today. And Article 99 is only done when the United Nations Security Council feels that uh, they're on the precipice of something that could spin out of control and threaten international security and peace. Last time it happened was 1971. Uh, it's bleak. It's really, really bleak. So let's get Ferry to Kerkov's uh, take on what's happening. He's a senior fellow at the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs, University of Ottawa, also a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Uh, Ferry, thanks for joining us again. Always appreciate your time, sir. With pleasure. I wish we could talk about something uh, less tragic. I know, right? But this truly is, it, it's a desperate situation. You know, the UN saying there's nowhere left. There's nowhere left for the people of Gaza to go. The death toll is, you know, approaching 20,000 now. It, it, it's absolutely desperate, Ferry. It is desperate. You know, even if you had to do that with a flock of sheep or cattle, they would find themselves completely at a loss. And human beings are not cattle, yet they're treated like that. So, and in a very dangerous situation. So it's, it's just appalling. The, the, the problem is that there is no way out. And when I see my friend Guterres, who I've hosted when I was ambassador in Cairo, who's a really a wonderful gentleman who's got a past related to, to human rights. And, and, and so really, a, a wonderful gentleman who is calling for Article 99, uh, that shows you the level of desperation. It's not that invoking Article 99 can change much. It is just the ultimate signal. It's no wonder that yeah. it's Item 99 in the Charter. It's a signal to the international community that the situation has reached a level where there's got to be a, 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 a emerging consensus, despite the differences, to try and find a stoppage to this bombardment, to this killing fields. And, 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 you know, you still have to wonder, uh, the horrifying events of October 7, does that justify killing 20,000 people, in, mostly kids and all that? There's something immoral fundamentally, despite the so-called right to defend. And even at the early days, Biden and Blinken were saying you have an obligation to defend. Yes, but guys... Now we're reaching a level of total desperation, total distraught, a humanitarian crisis like there hasn't been in ages, I think since the, yeah, probably the Yugoslavia wars. Uh, when will that stop? And is it legitimate that abuse of force? And you've seen the image of those uh, Palestinian naked in, in, mm. in, the, in the heat. Uh, what they're trying to find, some bond between their toes or something like that. This is becoming a, a set of revenge which has lost 
the ultimate purpose of getting rid of Hamas, which is a valid proposition. It is. There's no question it is. I think everybody agrees with that. And, and you, you lead me right exactly where I wanted us to go, Ferry, and that is every day, every day we hear international leaders, the United States, Canada, Europe, you name it, saying this is awful, this is terrible, something needs to be done, you must exercise restraint. And then they say the exact same thing the next day. Do we, I mean, the U.S. could end this with a phone call. We all know that, right? Uh, they could if they wanted to and say that's it. There's, there's no more military support for Israel unless this stops now. And it stops. I mean, it's that simple. Do we I'm get not, to I, that point? Can I, can I interrupt you on sure, that yeah. one? Because I thought you were right, because I wrote that, I said it a billion times. But I'm sorry to say that Netanyahu has a finger up, and he's up yours to you all, because I want my revenge, because I'm going to lose my job, and I'm going to do everything to keep my job, and I will destroy Hamas, whatever means it takes. And that's why it is so awful. I'm sorry, the phone call hmm. from Biden wouldn't make a difference. By the way, they haven't had their, you know, their, their support that the Congress is, is holding on yeah. because of that negotiations. So if I'm Netanyahu, I can tell you, you see, you think you've got any influence and power, you can't even get your guys to vote on the packages that you all say is so indispensable for me. No, the tragedy is that the U.S. in in past had an ability to impose, but now I'm not even sure they can, because it's at the end of the day, the Congress will always make sure at one time or another that Israel has enough wherewithal weaponry and whatnot to win any war in the totality of the Middle East. That's the $4 billion a year that Obama provided yeah. to Netanyahu, while Netanyahu was saying that he was not amicable to the Jews. Okay, so if we're saying now, and, it, and it's an interesting revelation that the U.S. doesn't have that kind of sway, we know the U.N. doesn't, and nobody else does, what's the end? Where does this ultimately end up, Ferry? Is there, or, or do we just, I mean, what do you think, where do you think this goes from here? It goes to the time where the IDF and Netanyahu will have decided that there's not a single Hamas remaining there, irrespective of the number of deaths, which will climb to 25,000. I'm sorry to say, because it's very hard to say that, the life of a Palestinian in Gaza counts for nothing. Let's be very clear, for nothing. And and you, it's it's a bit like... Dresden in 1944, which is an example that Netanyahu always says. He said, well, you know, you bombarded Dresden and ripped to shreds. Yes, but we were talking about the four-and-a-half-year war where the totality of the humanity was involved in fighting the Second World War. Here we're talking about a minute parcel of territory on which I'm sure that the, the guiding principle that is, carrying, that is carried out by the IDF is that I don't care if tomorrow morning in front of me 100 kids are dead as long as I save one IDF soldier. So they are not taking any risk. That's why they're bombarding like hell, because then they can just walk in a more, you know, a more, <laughs> not a likable plane, but a, a more easy to dominate and to get into the tunnels and all that. So the whole idea is that one IDF soldier's life is worth 10 times more than 100, 100 young kids that are being bombarded from the, from the top. It is just such a bleak situation. Ferry, thank you so much for your time. As always, I do appreciate it.